Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato samasambuddhasa Buddhang damang sankhang namasami for some people on a three-month retreat, when it gets to this time, very not close to the end, but you know, three quarters through, about two or three weeks to go, sometimes people get a bit uh, concerned. Oh my goodness, the retreat is almost over. What have I done? How? What have I been spending my time? And it's called suffering. Uh, please remember that that is to be expected. That is the most important part of the Buddhist path, to understand suffering and where it comes from. If you are experiencing that, now ask yourself, why? And the reason it is because of expectations. Someone many years ago asked me, and I think it was in Singapore, you know what people in Singapore are like, if there's any here this evening, they said, well, I haven't got much time, please let me know what suffering is. <laughs> and so that's suffering. <laughs> but in particular I told them that suffering is asking from the world what it can never give you. And that was a very nice response and I remembered that. You know, often you say responses and I forget them because they're not inspiring or not all that good. But that was a good response. Asking from the world what it can never give you. And when you sort of start to contemplate that you can understand where much of your suffering comes from. Now it is just asking from others what they will never give you. As an abbot, if I ask for everyone to, to come to the talks at the right time and do all the right things, I'm going to suffer immensely. If I ask all the people who work always come on time and do the right thing, I'm going to suffer immensely. This is Australia. <laughs> so I'm asking from the world what it would never give me. And the same like wanting to have good health. You know, I know it's hay fever season now, so I've got a, he's heard me sneezing during the chanting. If I ask for my body always to be healthy and full of energy and just you know, always being able to get up early and stay up late, I'm asking for things which will never be given to me. And that is called suffering. So every time I get frustrated, which is one of the most important parts of suffering, you ask yourself, what am I asking? And a lot of the time I'm asking for things which the world will never give me, which is why I suffer. So, realizing that, I don't ask so much. As it says in the Metta Sutta, to be someone who's contented and easily satisfied, not demanding in nature. And sometimes we think that's just about Metta, the Karenian Metta Sutta, about loving kindness, but there's also a huge amount of wisdom in there. So often I recall that when I meditate. I'm going to be someone who is contented, easily satisfied and not demanding in nature. When I think like that, I thought I'm just going to sit here. It also says be upright. May you be upright. And so I make sure that I'm not laying down too much on my bed. <laughs> so it's good to be upright. And then to be contented and easily satisfied. Because if I ask too much for my meditation, 
then of course I suffer. If I'm content and easily satisfied, I'm just so happy to be able to sit here in my heart and have a few hours of peace and quiet when no one's bothering me, no one's calling me, no business to be done. Oh, what bliss. This is more than good enough. And if I get anything else, beautiful breath, nimiters, jars, whatever, that's just gravy, as they say. That's just extra. That's just a bonus. So when I become contented and easily satisfied, I don't demand anything. Then that is a way to overcome suffering. You get peaceful very quickly. Even if you are tired, you're sick. Even if you're in pain, even if you're dying. Not to be demanding in nature. To be content and easily satisfied with your dying process. Then there is no suffering. You're not asking from the world what it can't give you. So, understanding that, you understand just you know, what this suffering is all about. Always getting your own way. Always having a monastery which is just the way that you want it. If I had the monastery the way I wanted it, each one of you would be perfectly enlightened by now so you wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't have to give you any more interviews. <coughs> each one of you would also like the same food as I like, which means that that's the only thing you'd ever give me. Each one of you... <laughs> But of course you can't do that. You can't ask from the world what it will never give you. So instead you accept the world with this beautiful loving kindness. You open the door of your heart to the world as it is. With a sense of even joy. And that beautiful way of letting go to be content, easy, satisfied, being kind to this world is a beautiful way of overcoming the suffering of the world. I'm talking about the real suffering. When you get tired, when you get disappointed, that's just what we call old karma. It's the karma you have got from having been born. That's the suffering you will never be able to get rid of until you die. It's part of life. So every time you get disappointed or sick, every time things don't go the way you want them to go, Every time that you know somebody says something which you don't like, ask yourself, what do I expect? I expect to be abused. I was just, uh, my little range retreat project is writing some more stories for Open the Door of Your Heart number two. And one of the stories I wrote was one something I was told about, this is a story for this little talk, about in ancient Greece there was a philosopher, a teacher who had many students and every time he was a very bad-tempered teacher, not like me, <laughs> really bad-tempered. When anybody, any of his students misbehave, he would shout at them, he'd scold them, he'd abuse them, he'd say terrible things to them. And after he finished his tirade against the naughty student, he would charge the student for the privilege of being abused. It was like extra work for the teacher, so it cost more. <laughs> so the poor student, having you know, been scolded, had to pay. And that was the, the system in that place. Every time, you know, the teacher had, out of great compassion, maybe, scolded you, that you had to pay him. <coughs> so what happened was when that student left and graduated, he went to work in Athens, just as sort of the course of life, people would scold him and tell him off. You know, just that's what happens in life. At business, in the market, 
bumping into people, you stupid fellow. And whenever he was scolded, he would laugh. Every time someone abused him, he would burst out laughing. And it was so weird that sooner or later the people in Athens asked him, how can you laugh when people call you a pig, call you idiot, call you stupid? And he said, because when I was growing up, I had to pay for this abuse. Now I get it for free. <laughs> that's why I laugh. <laughs> now that's the sort of attitude which I like. <laughs> so if I abuse you, uh, maybe not the monks because you haven't got any money, but any of the Anagamicas, you've still got some funds. You've got to put a donation in the dona <laughs> a donation box as a result. Because it's really hard scolding people, you know, it really hurts me more than it hurts you, so it deserves at least five bucks. <laughs> but what it really means is like scolding is part of life, receiving a scolding, you know, receiving just some um, fly coming into your room, receiving some sickness, whatever it is. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every time you were sick you had to pay for it? Actually, in some countries you do. Here in Australia, you get sick for free. You don't have to pay. It's all on Medicare. So next time you're sick, please laugh. Hooray, I get this for free this time. <coughs> so what we're doing there, we're changing our attitude towards dukkha, towards suffering. Now, when we expect it, what do you expect? It's suffering. It happens. But what you can expect as monks and nuns as practitioners of the Dhamma, you can expect dukkha, suffering, disappointment, frustration, not getting what you want, not achieving what you hoped you'd achieve. You can expect all of that. But what you should add is to expect that you have a much better reaction, understanding to suffering. So you in investigate, you find out what it is, why it is. And you will trace it back when you have these wonderful frameworks, easy things you can remember, I am suffering because I've been asking for something which the world can never give me. And you might argue, no, it shouldn't be like that. The Sangha should be kinder. Ajahn Brahm should be more strict or more lax, depending on what mood you're in. In monastery, we should have air conditioning in this room. We should have air conditioning in my, my hut. We should have a bit of food or not so much food or whatever. The, sort of all those times when you, know, you try and find a cause... You're looking in the wrong place. The cause is that this is life. You've been expecting something which life cannot give you. Now, fortunately, I've been around a long enough time now that I don't expect many, much from you guys and you girls. I've been here long enough. I've been disappointed too many times to expect very much. <laughs> That's why I'm happy with you all. I've lowered my expectations to fit with reality. <laughs> When <laughs> you understand that, you understand how to be happy and peaceful. It's not just copying out, this is profound stuff. When you understand suffering, when you're at peace with your disciples, or people who, you know, pretend to be your disciples, <laughs> when you're at peace with that, then you're happy. Which means you're not asking from the world what it can't give you. You're not... Um, demanding in nature, you are contented and easily satisfied, which means you have a lot of peace. As I often say to people in their interviews and to myself and writing books, that what you're experiencing in any moment, and the only moment we have, as I said last week, is the present moment, what you're experiencing right now, throughout the rest of your life in samsara, what you're experiencing right now 
is a result of old karma. You're stuck with this. Suffering, happiness, pain, feeling from pain, feeling joyful, feeling sick, whatever it is, this is a result of old karma. You can't do much about the old karma. You can't go back in the past and change everything. What you can do is not react to this moment in such a way to make more bad karma for the future. That is your job, especially as a monastic, as someone who's following the Eightfold Path. Not to sort of think, who did it, why did they do it, it shouldn't be that way. That's looking at the past. Looking at this present moment, how am I dealing with this experience, which is unpleasant, with this dukkha right now? And you'll find that if you deal with this pain, with this sickness, with this disappointment, with, with frustration, in a beautiful way, in a wise way, in a kind way, you find you don't make bad karma for the future. It means, if you understand and have faith in this law of karma, it means you know for sure, with faith, and also with wisdom, because you've been there, done this so many times, it works, you know that your future will be more peaceful, more happy, more free. Because you're making good karma with what you have. So every time there's suffering, you accept it. You make peace with it. You're kind with it. You open the door of your heart to it. You're gentle with it. You don't get upset and add suffering upon suffering upon suffering. And that way, you know, you find you get peaceful, you get happy. Life starts to improve. Why? Because you're not making suffering for your future. That's all you can do. But every time you start to complain, get upset, struggle, strive, you know, write notes or just fight against life, you are making more suffering for yourself for the future. So just take it. Be at peace with it. And of course, you've all heard me say many times, it's all shit for the mango tree, you grow out of that, you learn. And by doing that, you accept that this life is out of control. The only thing you can do, sort of control, is make peace with it, to let it go, be kind, be gentle. And then you get peaceful, which means you get happy. And you start doing that with other people, because even though this is a monastery of hermits, we have all these beautiful huts, you know, with nice walking paths, and you can have your own tea and coffee there. You know, in Wat Papa, you're not allowed to have your own tea and coffee in your own huts. One of my first experiences of suffering, the first, and I wasn't range retreat, but just before the range retreat, about a month, two months before, Ajahn Liam would come with the cart and collect all the kettles we used to boil our water. Oh, that really hurt. And my little kettle I'd got from somewhere, and I used to boil water and have you know, a cup of tea every now and again, and we all had to give our kettles up. So that means no more tea or coffee or anything. Oh, that was terrible. But you have it in your own huts here. You have uh, great food, wonderful. But why is it you've got this beautiful place to live in? We spent so much money and so much care getting the perfect cooties, and people end up spending most of the time outside talking to each other. <laughs> and not really, you're pretty good. But you wonder why you do that. 
we have the opportunity to make peace, be kind, be gentle, but we run away sometimes. What are you running away from? A lot of times, if you're not happy in your heart, if you're always going outside, you're running away from suffering. And it's just a physical, but also the emotional. Instead of actually staying put whenever you feel frustrated, disappointed, tired or whatever, we move. That happens to each one of us. Sometimes I sit in my hut because of the work I have to do. You sit there and it's very hard for a while to get peaceful. But instead of moving, instead of saying, I'm restless, I'm going to get up and do something else, I sit there. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. I say, well, look, this is the result of old calm, this restlessness, this tiredness. You know, there's too many thoughts going through my mind because I've just been talking to people. I look at that. Yeah, it's unpleasant. It's suffering. And I just make peace with it. And I can do that. That's my training, to make peace with anything. If I can make peace with the emotional reactions in my mind, I can make peace with the pain in my body. I can make peace with the things which go wrong in the monastery, which go wrong in the Buddhist society, which go wrong in the world. I can make peace with it. In other words, I don't fight it. I say, oh, this is the world, this is suffering, this is things not going the way I want it to, but that's life. I'm at peace with that. I expect that. I'm comfortable with it. And that means I'm making peace. I'm kind. I literally do open the door of my heart to whatever I'm experiencing. It's okay, you can stay. I don't want to get rid of you, monster. Pain, disappointment, you're part of life. Just like you know, all the flies in this forest coming up soon, they're really irritating, but they're necessary for this forest to survive. The heat, the cold, whatever else happens, that's all part of nature. I'm not going to try and control it or fight it. I'm going to be with it. I'm going to open the door of my heart to life. Not just the nice part of life. Not to the pleasant stuff, the jhanas and the nimittas and the delightful stuff. I'm going to open my door of my heart to everything. To the time when you can't get the jhanas. To the time when you are just tired and the mind is just doing its own thing and won't sort of cooperate. I'm going to open my mind to it, my door of my heart to everything. When I do that, one layer of suffering has disappeared. That's actually the major point of suffering. It's just experience now. It's just tiredness. It's just uh, restlessness. It's just, well, it doesn't actually last very long, the tiredness and restlessness when you don't fight. It's quite obvious when you think about it. You know, the tiredness is because you're worn out. Fighting tiredness doesn't get you anywhere. It just makes you more tired trying to stop restlessness, trying to stop the thoughts, that's more thoughts, just more effort. You just open the door of your heart to it, just let it be. You're opening the door of your heart to suffering, to the unpleasant, to things which you don't like, because you're not asking from the world what it will never be able to give you. You're accepting this. When you accept suffering, it just changes. It's not really suffering anymore. You find that what we really understand is suffering is the fight, is the, the effort to control. It's the, the uh, desire, the struggle to get rid of things we don't like. It is a striving to achieve something we haven't got yet. That is essentially suffering. 
When you see that, you wonder just how stupid I am. I'm trying to get enlightened, trying to end suffering, but all I'm really doing is making more suffering. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So when you see that, you stop all this trying to get something somewhere where you don't know where it is. You know, all these people trying to get jhana haven't got a clue what jhana is. When you get there, you may not like it. You're only taking on trust from me that it's a nice place to go. It might be a hellish place. It's not, by the way. <laughs> but you haven't been there yet. So, do you know, what are you, what are you doing this for? Or Nirvana. You know, what is Nirvana? Are you sure you really want to get to Nirvana? So, when you don't know where you're going, it's a bit stupid. That's what I realized years ago. It's becoming a monk is like getting on a bus, going to a destination which you're not really sure exists or, you know, what it's going to be like when you get there. Or if actually you're going to be there when you get there. It's a bit scary when you realize what you're up to. But instead of doing, getting on any buses, you just sit still. You're just here, in this moment. And you're not fighting anymore. You're not struggling to get somewhere. You're not striving to achieve something which you're not really sure what it is. When you do that, that's what that's the simile of the Buddha somewhere about the man who was searching through the whole of India for the most beautiful girl, so he could marry her. And the Buddha said, well, is, is she of the, the warrior class, or the, the Brahmin class, or the, the trader class, or the, the worker class? And I don't know what class she's in. Is she tall or short? I don't know what she's tall or short. Is she young or old? I don't know. But I'm, I'm in love with her. That's just the simile of, I'm in love with jhanas, I'm in love with Nibbana, but you know, what is it? I don't know, but I'm in love with it. <laughs> it's stupid. So be in love, or if you want to strive or struggle for something you can know, which is peace. Aim for something you can experience, which is now. And be content. Open the door of your heart, you can do that. I can always make peace, be kind, be gentle. I know that. That's, that's within my grasp, my understanding. And you can understand that when I want something more, I'm just creating suffering. As soon as I want anything, there's a space between me and where I want to be. And that is essentially suffering. So when I let that go, and I'm just here making peace with things, being kind, being gentle, Suffering tends to disappear. And what happens when suffering disappears? What happens when suffering disappears is the same thing which happens when darkness disappears. When darkness disappears, light appears. The opposite comes. When darkness disappears, it's not just nothingness, it's light. When cold disappears, it's warm. When dukkha disappears, in its place comes Piti Sukha, happiness. So this is where you get your joy from. Dukkha sucks away all the happiness and joy. So by just not striving, not wanting things, not aiming to get anywhere else, but just being contented and easily satisfied, not demanding anything, you find you develop this incredible Piti Sukha, just happy to be here, simple happiness which is always here, but when we go searching for it somewhere else, we miss it. The others say you can't enjoy what you already have when you want something more. 
So I stop my wanting something more and I can enjoy this moment. I don't want jhanas, I don't want limiters, I don't want enlightenment, I don't want anything. And I can enjoy this moment. And you all know from Piti Sukha that happiness and joy, all the deep meditations, the insights, all flow from there. On Saturday evening I was teaching the Sutta class. It was supposed to be Transcendental Dependent Origination, the Upanishad Sutta. But you know, I really meant to uh, teach and I actually did focus on it. That similar sutta which shows enlightenment being a natural process. Basically, you know, when you, you, know, you start from one thing and that was starting from keeping your precepts, being virtuous, being restrained, then you get this lack of remorse and lack of remorse leads to this gladness of Pamuja. You know, you get high because you're a good person. You look at yourself, you can't see much force, nothing to be remorseful about. Your esteem goes up, you feel good about yourself, you get gladness. And from that gladness you get this pity and pity, tranquility, tranquility, this sukha. This, you get joyful just from keeping precepts. You're a good person. And that raises your average level of happiness. And then from, you all know from that happiness, you get the stillness of mind called jhanas. And from there you see things as they truly are, you get enlightened, the whole thing works. And the same, <coughs> the Upanishad Sutta, what I really should have been talking about, I know all that being a natural process. You know, when you don't have to make a choice, you don't have to exert your will, it happens automatically. But the Upanishad Sutta was actually starting from suffering and saying suffering is a cause. Once you experience suffering, you really understand what it is. That gives you this beautiful faith in the Buddha's teachings. You understand that you know, this makes sense. You know, suffering is wanting something which the world can never give me. That makes sense. You get faith, confidence. That makes sense. That's a good teaching. So if I just let go of wanting, I just make peace with what I have, don't make any more bad karma so I get more suffering in the future, just be kind to this and be gentle with it. As long as I allow this to be and be content and easy satisfied, I won't have suffering. That makes a lot of sense, you get faith in that. And as you, your faith, you start to practice that, which is obviously what happens. If you really understand and believe it's true, it means you will have more contentment. It means you won't be so demanding. It means you won't look for happiness by asking for things. You realize that very asking is causing the striving, the stress, the separation from you know, where you want to be and where you are. And so when you stop striving and wanting for things, you experience these first beginnings of joy, the pamucha, the gladness. And this beautiful sutta, the Upanishad, because it shows when I'm suffering, when you really understand it, when it's explained to you properly, oh, I, I get it now. Which means you don't create so much suffering for yourself. And when that disappears, or lessens, you get gladness comes up. And then you realize this path is actually fun. I know that many people, they think the monastic life is just really tough. No sex, no movies, no getting the food you like, you know, no nice soft beds, you know, no, there's always just people look at the negative side of things. But you know, you find out, you know, when you live a monastic life, because you're understanding suffering, 
and you're just not creating more of it by all this materialistic wanting this and thinking that once I get my house, then I'll be happy. Once I get my car, then I'll be set. Once I get the girl of my dreams, then I'll be happy. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff which people think, that's just creating suffering. In a monastic life, you're just content where you are. Yeah, the monastery's not perfect. It could be better, but it's good enough. And I'm just content. And after a while, you know, as being as a monk, you just, you know, all these years as a monk, it's so easy to be content. And sometimes I'm, a, I'm really surprised that in some situations, how you can be content in some physically demanding situations. You know, the first years in Thailand, you know, sleeping on the floor with mozzies all around you, snakes crawling through, you know, was it the scorpions stinging you, sickness, eating rotten fish and boiled frogs, and getting up at three o'clock in the morning. It didn't really matter because, you know, sleeping on the hard floor with wooden pillows, you, know, you didn't want any more of that anyway. <laughs> so all of that sort of stuff, you know, that, you know, look back upon that, quite frankly, I think, how the heck did I manage to deal with that? You know, if, if you gave me a wooden pillow now and took away my mattress and you know, just gave me frogs to eat, I would just run away, <laughs> quite, quite frankly. <laughs> Couldn't take that anymore, maybe when you were young. But, you know, I was content with that. I was really happy. It just taught me just how you can learn to be content with anything. I was telling someone the other day that after seven years you know, in the forests of Thailand, living like that, now I went to, seven years before I went to visit home, all you people who just you know, want to go and visit your family every week, or maybe not every week, but you know what I'm talking about. Seven years before I went to visit my family, and I remember just um, getting the cheapest airline ticket I possibly could manage from Bangkok to London. And it was you know, a very cheap offer on Philippine Airlines. Now remember, this was how many years ago? Almost 32 years ago. An economy class, you know, in a low-cost airline, you know, 30 years ago. And as soon as I got on board, I thought, my goodness, this is luxury. You know, the seats on the aircraft actually had padding. They had cushions on them. I wasn't used to cushions. The floor was, you know, concrete. You know, if you had anything on at all, it was one of those straw mats you sit on down by the bowl washing area. This was actually comfortable. And you know, in the aircraft, for the first time in seven years, there were no mosquitoes. <laughs> they didn't allow the mosquitoes on board. And there was actually food you could eat. There wasn't any boiled frogs or rotten fish in the food they served. So people who complained about economy class travel and air airline food, they just live in the forests of northeast Thailand for seven years. And you will never complain about aircraft food ever again. <laughs> not about the cramped conditions in economy class. It just really showed me just how you can become content and at peace with anything. Just an attitude thing. And from that I realized when I really get old and sick and my body really aches, when I have got the pain of death coming, you can be content with that too. And I know that I've had some heavy pains in my life. It's amazing just what you can do with the right attitude. It takes away all the fear and the scariness of death when you know exactly what you should do. Just make peace and stop fighting 
and be content. Don't try and want to get rid of things. As soon as you want anything, don't ask from the, you get suffering. Don't ask from the world what it can never give you. The body's wearing out. It can't give you anything else. That's it. When you don't ask for anything else, yeah, it hurts, but it's not suffering anymore. You transcended something. You learned. So not only does this help you in the world, it also, again, coming back to the meditation which we're all doing for the next three or four weeks, it also helps with your practice of arousing piti sukha, arousing joy. When you stop struggling and fighting, when you really stop struggling and fighting, what comes up in return is pamuja and piti sukha. When you've understood enough suffering, you have faith, and that leads to pamuja, the joy. You know when you're having fun, it's so easy to sit still. That's one of the great sort of uh, insights of the Buddha in those conditional sequences you find in Yanguta and Nikaya and elsewhere. As soon as you develop this general joy, the body is tranquil. You can sit and just body relaxes, which means you can sit for long periods of time without pain. If you haven't got that joy, sometimes the body's always restless. There's an ache here, there's an itch there, there's something going on, and you can't sit still. The cushion's too hard, or it's in the wrong place under your bottom. And you're always fidgety. Why? Because there's no joy. There's a wonderful insight to get the joy up early and then the body is very tranquil. And just the joy of overcoming suffering, joy comes up and of course once you have that tranquility coming from that sort of being able to sit still, it happens naturally. You will get the bliss coming up. You do not need to worry about that if you have enough confidence in the teachings of the Buddha. It says that so often from bodily and tranquility, from stillness, sukha arises. And you know, I try to find being a scientist, trying to find out why that happens. And you know the answer, I've said it many times, it's because when you are still, when you're not doing anything, you're not wasting energy. You're not wasting mental energy, fighting this, trying to struggle for that, trying to get solve the problems, even in meditation, which come up. You're always trying to do something, trying to get somewhere, trying to change something. You are wasting your energy. Just shut up and be still. And when I'm still, not thinking, not trying to get anywhere, nothing to do, just making peace with what's happening, being content, easily satisfied, not demanding anything at all, I'm just here. And from that stillness, the energy of the mind has got nowhere else to go. Stays in mindfulness awareness. You get bright, joyful. That's where the sukha comes from. Sukha is the energy of the jitta. Literally. And you just when you know that, you understand how to arouse sukha. The best way to arouse sukha. Just keep still, as still as you possibly can. And then the jitta just fills with energy. And when you get those energies, then you're off, my friends. 
you're off into these beautiful nimittas and jhanas and all the rest of the stuff. And where does it come from? From being content and easily satisfied. It comes from not wanting them. You want them and it is suffering. You understand suffering and means you're not asking for anything at all. Then you know the path into jhanas. And when you get into jhanas, when the suffering gets less and less because you're not making so much of it anymore, happiness comes in its place. Not only do you have a great time, but you also energize your awareness. Those people who want to develop insight to be wise, basically you're too dark, too dull. Not enough power to be really wise. In the same way, if you go out this evening after this talk and trying to walk through the bush. You can't see the bush that much in the darkness. No more can you see the Dhamma when the mind isn't bright and powerful. But you get some of these nimittas or jhanas and your mind is just so powerful. It's like like a searchlight, like you know, megawatt bulbs. You see everything. And that's what it's like afterwards then you can understand just all this contentment and easily satisfied business. You can understand it very carefully. That is powerful teaching. It's not just something from a Karanya Metta Sutta for, for beginners or for lay people in meditation. That is core stuff. Overcoming suffering. Letting it go. And then it vanishes. And you get these incredible powerful states. And then you get to the real understanding of suffering. It's not just wanting things. It's not just you know, discontent after you get into those deep meditations. You know, you realize this is very being and existing sucks. Simply because when you get such bliss, such stillness, so many things disappear. You also understand that having to come back again and having this irritation of seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching, having a body to feel, is so much more peaceful when it disappears. There's a far deeper understanding of suffering which you only get, unfortunately, through the deep meditations, when things vanish, the bliss of the jhanas is not from not wanting things. The bliss of the jhanas, the bliss of the beautiful breath is probably from not wanting things. The bliss of the jhanas is from things disappearing. And that's the deep understanding of dukkha. As we're just chanting, you know, the rupa is suffering. Vedana, sanya, Will, especially, that's my, you know this is my favorite, to will is to suffer. It's just a disturbance, it's an irritation to have to make decisions and have to choose. And that's why sometimes you know, I can make decisions quite easily and I don't think about them again. Just do it and get the suffering out of the way. And I know, as I've said before, whichever way I decide, if I'm making a decision, if I decide one way, that's suffering. If I decide the other way, it's suffering. Whatever way it is, it's going to cause me problems. So it doesn't really matter about it. You know, it's problem, problem either way. So I just make a decision. 
So don't worry about it. Whatever happens is just life. So you don't worry about decision making. You just do it. That makes life much more easy. But you do realize something very, very deep. That the real suffering of life is you know, these senses. That's why we call them burning in the sutta next week. And our real job is to totally abandon them. To let them vanish, let them disappear. And only when they disappear, then you are free. This is the essential suffering. To end rebirth, make this your last birth. Otherwise, you know, there will always be some wanting. That's par for the course. There will always be some activity. There will always be some business. There will always be things which are going wrong. There will always be fires in the monastery. There will always be things falling down. There will always be people not coming to your talks. There will always be people saying stupid things. There will always be people making mistakes. That's the world. So you just accept that. It's old karma. Being alive. And we don't want to make any more new karma. And that way we can be free once and for all. But that last part is sometimes hard for people to really embrace until they've seen things disappearing. And see the freedom which happens. Again, when you've always been born in a prison, lived in a prison, spent all your life in a prison, you don't know it's a prison. You think it's normal. And people say there's a great place outside a prison where things have disappeared. You think, ah, it can't exist. Because one only knows what one has experienced. So see if you can. Not by wanting the jhanas, but just by being content and easily satisfied, not demanding at all, not asking anything from the world which it can't give you. In other words, being at peace, opening the door of your heart to every moment. Even if crazy things are happening to you in your meditation, that's okay. Just be at peace with them. Just see what happens. You know, you've got nothing to lose because there's no one in there. So just be prepared to die, to explode, to go crazy. It doesn't matter. And if you let go and stop controlling things, stop being afraid... Just being here, being content and easily satisfied with this moment. Open the door of your heart to it. Then you'll find the suffering gets less. The pity sukha takes its place. And that drives you into the jhanas. And that makes you see the deeper level of suffering. And able to abandon it once and for all. So that's the talk this evening on Dukkha. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Very good.